walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh, what's up, everybody? For the 200th time, welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. If you haven't heard by now, I am your host, the hardest part of the ring, Kyle Bird. How we doing today, folks? How's everybody's day going? Glad to have you here for episode 200 of the Apron Bump Podcast. You know, I didn't I didn't want to do anything too special. I like uh, milestones 200. Like it is what it is. I but I do think uh, today would be a. Uh, a fun opportunity to maybe, you know, kind of recollect myself. Cause you know, the apron bump podcast, we talk a lot of retro wrestling. It's become pretty much the, uh, pretty much the only thing we do here for the most part, at least, but you know, back four years ago in 2019, which is fucking wild at this to even consider, you know, I started this podcast to kind of just shoot the shit, kind of just drop my thoughts on current wrestling. I had a lot of thoughts. I mean, between WWE, AEW, other promotions, just kind of wrestling, you know, just my my thoughts on the pro wrestling medium in general. It's kind of why I started this podcast to begin with. So I think I thought it'd be, you know, kind of fun to kind of revert to that for an episode. Kind of just, you know, we got lost of, we got full gear, we got Survivor Series, we got, you know, WrestleMania 40 on the horizon. We got a lot to talk about, a lot of storylines. And a lot of not so good stuff as well, but um, we'll get into that on this show. Um, I will say, though, I am recording this on Friday, November 17th, which is the day before AEW Full Gear 2023. So I will not (laughs) this will not reflect the results of Full Gear, but I'm looking at the card. I don't foresee anything major happening. I'm sure there'll be some stuff. I, I, there's apparently a new signee, which we'll get into. Um, if there's anything that I need to add on to this, I will after the fact. But um, just my schedule and how things are working out. It was just better to record today. You know, I got my my sister's circumcision on Tuesday. Like, there was a lot going on. So I uh, figured I'd just, you know, pop on here and just... Got a few bullets here, but most I'm just going to be fucking taking. I'm going to be taking my driver out, swinging with my eyes closed and hoping I don't land in the water, which is not reflective of how I actually play golf. But um, yeah, first of all, before we get into anything, if you are not already 
Make sure to follow me on all the social medias at Apron Bump all across the board. Twitter or X, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, join the Discord. Got a new Discord going. I'll put that link in the description as well. We talk current stuff, retro stuff. We got pay-per-view predict. We, we, it's still building, but get on the train now. Now, I'm not talking about A-Train, even though I do have nipple piercings. But if you're watching on YouTube, give it a like, give it a subscribe. You know the deal. Do all that stuff. Um, you know, one thing I was going to, um, in this episode, I was going to pull some audio from my first episode because i think there's some sentiments that i made in that first episode a lot that i probably still agree with and i'd like to you know kind of solidify but probably some that i um maybe outlooks that have changed over the last four years but i thought i thought it might be fun maybe it won't be i don't know to just kind of let my first episode play here for maybe like a few seconds so i'm just gonna pull it up on youtube here and we'll we'll, we'll see if any gold we'll see if we strike any gold on this one what is going on everybody oh baby oh baby it's finally here good energy is the apron bump podcast and i am the hardest part of the ring how's everybody doing tonight man it's so obvious that this is my first (laughs) episode by the way it's so funny how like you don't realize it in the moment, but as a podcaster, like how much your voice evolves. Like it's very and that's how everybody is, right? When they first start doing a podcast. But it's just so funny the different energy I have here. All right, we'll hit play again. All right. Whenever you're listening to this. Man, that's um It's been a long time coming, but I think now more than ever is the perfect time to start a podcast about wrestling. Because I mean there's never been a more podcastable time in wrestling than right now. You know what I mean? With social media, with all of the different wrestling companies popping up all over the world, there's so many takes to have. There's so many things to watch. There's so many toxic people, both on the internet and in real life, yeah. to confront and to talk about. So that was basically the sentiment that I was really... Um leaning towards here is how back in 2019 and still here in 2023, there's so much wrestling out there, not just WWE and AEW, even though those two companies alone give you what 20 hours a week (laughs) at least. And then you got your other, your NWA, your MLW, your Japan, your Mexico stardom, like, TNA's coming back. Like, there's so much stuff out there to watch. And while in that first episode, I was like, yeah, it's the best time to be a wrestling fan. It's the best time to be a wrestling podcaster. There's so much to talk about. And it's like, well, yeah, on one hand, that's true. But at the same time, my question for you guys listening is, is there too much wrestling today? Is there too much wrestling? Let's look at AEW. You got Dynamite, two hours. Rampage, one hour. Collision, two hours. Five hours a week. Let's look at WWE. You got Raw, three hours. NXT, two hours. SmackDown, two hours. 
That's seven hours. That's 12 hours. Between the two major companies, this isn't taken into account like level up. This isn't taken into account pay-per-views. This isn't, you know, that that's a lot of hours of wrestling weekly. And, and this is just reflective of the state of wrestling today. Because me personally, th- this is how I consume wrestling. I like to have the entire picture. In terms of storylines, in terms of people being built, in terms of, you know, who's winning matches, who's losing matches, who's, you know, the callbacks to previous matches, just just all, all the promos and all the sit down interviews and all of the segments and all of the everything. Right. To me, that's when wrestling like that. That's what makes wrestling great is all of those things put together. But to me, man, it just feels so hard today to watch wrestling like that to watch everything to to have all of the pieces of every story together and then making it worthwhile to see that story pay off if it ever does you know so i feel like so often nowadays you know s- seeds for stories get planted things happen and then the story is just off tv for weeks or months and then they return to it and it's like wait what happened there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of webs and a lot of different connections and look, and I'm all for complex stories. I'm all for, you know, narratives with, with layers and different characters and different variables at play. I think that's what makes wrestling interesting is when it goes against the status quo, but there comes a point when it's just too much for me. And you might be saying, well, hardest part of the ring. If it's too much for you, just don't watch it all. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't. You know what? Here, here's kind of like weekly what I watch. And it kind of comes and goes. I'll say lately I've been enjoying NXT probably more than anything. That's probably that. That's the show. I Lately, I've been consistently watching most consistent. Did I just say consistently? You know what I mean, right? Because it's like its own little universe, kind of. I know you got people from Raw and SmackDown coming in every once in a while. But for the most part, the stories within NXT are NXT stories. Two hours a week. Easy. The wrestling's fun. There's a lot of characters that I'm really invested in. Like Trick and Carmelo is an awesome story. Ilya Dragunov, the, the top champion there. One of my favorite wrestlers in the world right now. One of the best wrestlers in the world. Him and Gunther are at the top for me as of right now. He's a banger factory. You got like Noam Dar is the Heritage Cup champion, which if you listen to this podcast, you know that I am a stout <laughs> Noam Dar mark. So seeing him as a focal point, him and his faction metaphor is fantastic. You got uh, Braun Breaker as a heel has been awesome. The women's division has just so much going on. Uh, Lyra Valkyria, who is another person that I've been touting for years, ever since her NXT UK days. Now she's finally getting her chance to shine on a big stage. You got people like Tiffany Stratton on the come up. There is some other like under like Roxanne Perez, Kiana James. They just had a breakout tournament. Like, there's so much going on. There's, there's a men's breakout tournament coming up. A lot going on in NXT. It feels like they they are the most like per second. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, there's like always something going on. There's not a lot of filler on NXT. 
Now, it's not all good. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of those fucking, you know, 2003 Disney sitcom dialogues backstage, the really corny conversations. There's some there's some bad stuff, too. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think that's enough to ruin the good of NXT. So that's what I've been watching for the most part. Rollins Smackdown, I kind of come and go with. I, I very rarely, if at all, watch it live. Most of the time, I'll go back and kind of watch the stuff that I care about and skim through the rest. Um, Love everything Gunther's doing. Love everything... Is that it? <laughs> that might be like the, the one consistent thing weekly on the main roster that I enjoy. You know, damage control as of right. We'll, we'll get into more of the, the details as we continue on here. But we're kind of just I'm talking about the state of wrestling here. Just kind of overall, there's not a lot of weekly stuff that I care about right now. And like I said, we'll, we'll dive deeper in AEW and WWE specifically, which is what most of this podcast is going to be on. But I'll say this. Let me let me just lay out something. Let me let me let me let me say a sentence. And I'm just going to let it sit there for a second. I don't care about banger matches anymore. I don't. And when I say I don't care about them, that doesn't mean that I don't like watching good matches. Of course, that, that's what wrestling fucking is. If I want a good story, I'm going to go watch, yo, know, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul or Zoe 101, like shows with really great stories. There's a lot of them out there, an endless, a bottomless pit of them out there. So wrestling is the medium that I choose to watch because I enjoy the in-ring action and how the in-ring action intertwines with the stories, of course. So of course I want, and all the stories have to have a payoff in a match. Like you can't just have, you know, that was my issue with Bray Wyatt because a lot of his stories while he was a very interesting character, a lot of the storylines were fun and different. They never paid off in a satisfying match. You could say the same for like a Karrion Cross, or um, you know these guys that have really unique characters and personas, and it makes you really watch when when their presence is on TV. The matches that they culminate to are usually kind of lackluster. Let's say that. So I do care about the match quality. Like, don't misinterpret that. However, with as many hours of wrestling that there are a week, there's going to be several quote unquote bangers, several great matches. You know, you see, you, you see the AEW Excalibur running down all the matches for the week. You got fucking... Luchador number 76 versus yeah, Luchador number 87. You got FTR versus the, the some Ring of Honor team. You got Kenny Omega versus MJF. They just farted out their ass for, in three days notice. Like they, they're just matches happen. There's so many like good matches to the point, And this is kind of I hope I'm not rambling here, but this is, this is kind of all circling back to my original point of too much going on today is there's so much quote unquote good matches that there's no good matches. If that makes any sense. Like if every match is a good match, then no match is good. Cause that's kind of the bar that's been set. So there's, there's not, there's not a hunger for good matches anymore because it's, it's like they're shoveling food down our throats. And even though the food is good, 
like I don't like it because you're shoving it down my throat. That's going to be taken out of context, I'm sure. But <laughs> it's like, God damn, these cheeseburgers are delicious. I love cheeseburgers, but God, you're, you're just you're just you're just putting them down my gullet so fast that I don't want any more cheeseburgers. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't. Um, <laughs> overall point is that wrestling needs more than good matches to get my attention, at least. And I'm just speaking for myself because this is my podcast. That's that's what we do here. You need more than good matches to get my attention, which is why not a lot of wrestling today has gotten my attention. Ultimately, I want to be rewarded for watching every week. I want storylines to progress. I want cliffhangers. I want I want to be I want to finish a wrestling show and be like dying to watch the next episode. When was the last time you, you finished watching, whether it's a Raw, SmackDown, a Dynamite, whatever? When was the last time you finished a show and were like, oh, can't wait till next week? You know, you know, like you like like Raw ends on Monday night and then it's like Wednesday afternoon. You're like, I wish Monday. Came. I wish Monday was here tomorrow because I want to see what the follow up is to what happened. on. When was the last time that happened to you? Probably not. All, probably not a lot recently, if I had to guess, because. For one, a lot of the stories, in my opinion, are very stale across the board, but also because there's so much wrestling that you can't you don't have time to miss it because it's on every day for several hours. And you know, that that's just, that's that this is where I stand and with current day wrestling. You can find banger, you can find banger matches anywhere at any time. You know what I want? You know what daddy wants? I want narratives. I want stakes. I want drama. Give me all of those things and a beautiful, beautiful package of wrestling, of promos, and all of the stuff that pro wrestling gives us. Give me that because I'm not really getting it <laughs> with current day wrestling. There's some good stuff. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, wrestling's gone to shit because it hasn't. There's some good stuff going on. But the percentage of good stuff to just this mediocre to bad stuff is just out of whack, in my opinion, currently. So but that, that's just kind of my overall thoughts. That, that's where I am with current day wrestling, which is uh, why I'm why I'm primarily a retro wrestling podcast. But let's talk about. All elite wrestling, I feel like it's been a while since I talked about AEW on this podcast and um. I'll say this, you know, with AEW, AEW Dynamite is the most, is the show that I've consistently, is the most, is the show that I've most consistently watched since, since its inception, really. I mean, I could probably count on one hand how many Dynamites I've missed. You know, some Dynamites I might skim through stuff, some I might, you know, not pay attention fully, but I've, Dynamite's always the show that I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch Dynamite. And I've said this in past episodes. It's because WWE, you know, with all this, all the shows they have weekly. And now remember what we're talking about. I'm talking about in previous years, you know, this is before collision and whatnot. You know, WWE, you have your Raw, your SmackDown, your NXT, and it's all produced the same. It all feels the same, just different colors, similar characters with different names like wwe it just feels like a conveyor belt of stuff a lot and we'll, i'll touch more on that later but 
you know, I'm watching all this stuff, but then dynamite comes on and it feels, it feels different. It just does. People like to say AEW is the same thing as WWE. It's not, it is in a lot of ways, which again, we'll get into in a second here, but just the way it's, it's produced, the way it looks, the in-ring style, it is different. It feels different than WWE, which is why I've always gravitated towards it in terms of, you know, just watching it on a weekly basis is because it feels different. It's a, it's a refreshing take on wrestling. This is, this is, has been my thoughts in the past. Let's make that clear. But lately, AEW. So they've added Rampage. They've added Collision. They're, they're adding more and more pay-per-views. They're, they're stacking up the content that we're seeing on a weekly and monthly basis. So now it's kind of creating a similar problem that WWE has created. And that's, and I know I've been, you know, harping on this already in this episode, but like it's, it's become too much. AEW is too much. It's a very vague statement. It's a very broad statement, but it kind of encompasses my issues with AEW. And look, I don't want to, before I get into anything, there's been a lot of doom and gloom. With AEW recently, with you know, collision ratings, with ticket sales, with the uh, creative process, the just everything with it, right? And a lot of it is valid, right? I can't tell you how many times over, like over the course, of even just AEW's tenure, that there have been periods of like, oh, AEW's lost it, you know, they're no longer the alternative, and then a week later, they'll have a good dynamite, and everybody's like, oh, we are so back, brah, brah, the AEW's back, son, and then it'll be like two weeks of good shows, and then the, the third week, it'll be a bad show, and it's like, oh, AEW in the mud, rest in peace, AEW, Tony Khan doesn't know what he's doing, and then the next week, they have another good show, it's like, oh, Tony Khan's booker of the year. Everybody is just so volatile with their opinions in that, like, from week to week, everything is, like, all or nothing. Like, a everything is, like, AEW's the best in the world, AEW's in the mud. In reality, wrestling, just as, as for as long as wrestling has existed, companies, promotions, they go through down periods, they go through up periods. There's an ebb and flow from a business perspective, from a creative perspective, and there's a lot of variables at play and what causes those. AEW right now is cold. It's very, very cold for a variety of reasons, which we'll get into, but that's not, you, they could, in a month's time, they can completely turn that around. It would take, you know, several things hitting and some stars aligning here. It could be a month, it could be two months, it could be six months, it could be a year, it could be two years. AEW ultimately will have another period where it's red hot again. And I, I, that, that's just like, uh, they, they have a few bad shows, which in my opinion, they've had a couple boring shows in a row as of recording this. But that's not to say that they can't turn it around. Let's, let's settle down. AEW, the rate, people look at the TV ratings. AEW's had the same ratings since their inception. What, four years ago, I guess at this point? They haven't made any moves from a rating perspective. From a ratings perspective, yeah, tickets tickets have gone down, but they can come back up. WWE's tickets were really bad for a while, and now they're selling out all this. That's that's how everything. It's how wrestling goes. It's how sports goes. How how everything goes. Okay, so let's let's settle down with the doom and gloom about AEW. 
However, that being said, let's talk about some things that I don't like about AEW. And I'm going to let's let's just open this up with one of my biggest issues here. Let's go to Tony Khan's Twitter here for a second. And yes, Tony Khan is one of my biggest issues with AEW. Let's pull up Tony Khan's Twitter. I mean, I could probably do an episode on just Tony Khan's tweets and why he's a fucking cornball, but um, here we go. From November from November 15th. Now, again, I'm dropping this after full gear. I'm recording before full gear. So you all know who this person is. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't even know if I'll bother speculating. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it. But his tweet here. This this is my this is maybe my biggest issue with AW at this point is represented in this tweet. OK. His tweet says from Tony Khan. AEW has agreed to terms with one of the world's best wrestlers, a pro who is known and respected by virtually every AEW fan, exclamation point. They'll come to LA to sign their contract this Saturday, all caps, on pay-per-view at AEW full gear. See you tonight, whatever. Um, so, AEW, so Tony Khan's announcing a new signee. Which seems to be his one fucking trick that he has up his sleeve from just forever. Another new signee, everybody. Is it Mercedes Monet? Is it Will Ospreay signing? Is it Sammy Callahan? Is it Dolph Ziggler? Is it um, Ronda Rousey? Who... It could be the fucking Undertaker for all I care. It could be John Cena. It could be The Rock. It could be a reincarnated version of Eddie Guerrero. Who gives a shit who he signed? It doesn't matter. They brought in Edge. They have Ric Flair. They got Christian. They got Brian Danielson. They got all these guys and none of them are moving the fucking needle. Okay? They're not. They already have too many people and they're signing more people as if that's going to create the solution to anything. It's they got so many shit. They got the three shows. They got so many titles floating around. They got international talent coming in and out, which is fine, right? I mean, AEW is the alternative. So the foreign aspect is something that makes them an alternative. But ultimately, like, if if these people coming in aren't involved in something engaging and anything interesting, who cares? You know, Edge and Christian already look, I get Edge and Christian, whatever, Adam Copeland and Christian, like that feud, it's a slow build. I get it. But Edge already just feels like another dude. And I'm, I don't know, dude, I, I'm just not, Edge and Christian is like my childhood. Like the, the, the tag team matches, the TLC matches, that, that is what made me a professional wrestling fan. I should be stoked about Adam Copeland and Christian facing off. Finally, really for the first time ever, if you, other than that bullshit when, in 2001 when they first broke up. I should be stoked, but I'm not. And why is that? Is because everything just feels so diluted. Everything's diluted. Because there's so much going on. And that's nothing a new signee is going to fix. <laughs> that's going to just exacerbate the issue. Which is just too much going on. You can't, they, there's no focus 
There's no continued focus on anything. We're getting our wires tangled just for the sake of dream matches and uh, you know, new signees, returns, Tony Schiavone's. I bet Tony Schiavone's going to sit down. On, I bet you there's going to be a, a fucking graphic at full gear. You know, whenever that person signs, I bet you there's going to be a graphic. It's going to be like Tony Schiavone sits down with blank, you know? It's like, who cares? This is rinse, repeat. <laughs> oh, man. And this goes back to, you know, the original reason I was so into Dynamite every week is because it felt like not the WWE product. But now it, as time goes on, it's becoming more and more like the WWE product. So now I'm kind of becoming disengaged with Dynamite. I, I have watched Dynamite less since Collision started than I did before. And by the way, I'm not even watching Collision. I'm not watching Rampage. It's not like a bandwidth issue. It's just the more shows make me less interested in each individual show because each show is now diluted, if that makes any sense. It makes sense in my head. Hopefully my words are making sense. But that's just where I'm at with AEW. I mean, like that from a macro sense, that's where I'm at with AEW. Some of the main stories going on, I mean, the Hangman Page and Swerve stuff is really good. I will say that. Like, that feud is awesome. Like, the matches the matches are great because the intensity is there in the build. There's a personal vendetta between the two. Notice there's no championships. This isn't about the rankings. This isn't an eliminator, reverse battle royal, diamond ring tournament of fun on 13th Street Fight. This is just two guys that fucking hate each other and want to hit each other about the face until the other man cannot no longer stand anymore. That is the primal foundation of professional wrestling and why it works. And these guys are leaning into that, putting their, their putting their spin on it, their spin that has been cultivated by the characters that they have created up until this point. And it works. The promos have heart to them there's heart there's emotion there's a believable intensity to them you actually believe that these guys don't like each other which is something that is sorely missed in modern day wrestling in my opinion that's where a lot of the drama comes from it's it's the the there's an urgency there's uh oh my god who's gonna blink first who's gonna it they're it's it's very simple and when done well as as these two guys are doing picture perfect that that's my kind of shit right um like but like i said it's it's something that you don't see a lot in professional wrestling at least in the mainstream nowadays and it's something that i think someone like mjf tries to like that's the emotion mjf tries to create but i just Man, I don't know. Let's just, let's talk about MJF for a second. Um, Babyface MJF fucking sucks, dude. It's bad. It's not good. Not only is it bad, it's not good. Um, and why is that? Well, he's a natural heel. He's a hate. He has a hateable face. He has a face that you want to punch. Now we're trying to make. And look, he's getting reactions. Right. A lot, a lot of times he has to hold his microphone out to the crowd to kind of beg for reactions, but he's getting reactions. 
I don't even know where to, I don't even know where to, where to begin, man. So at first I thought, so we had the, the MJF Adam Cole thing, right? That started. Can they coexist? Like everybody kind of rolled their eyes when it first started, but then it became pretty entertaining, right? They became friends. You know, they were still fighting each other, but they were still friends. It was like a respect thing. They won the ROH tag team titles for whatever fucking reason. And then Adam Cole goes down with an injury. So now that story is kind of at a standstill. Um, so here, here's where I'm at with babyface MJF. I thought this was all going to eventually be a ruse. I thought MJF was going to turn, going to do something to go back heel and be like, all oh, you marks thought I cared about you. You're stupid. Your sports team stinks. Like some kind of that, like something like that. Right. I thought it was all going to be kind of just an elaborate plot on MJF's. I don't know what the goal would be, whatever. But I think we're too deep into it now for that to be the case. So if they do go that route, eventually it's going to be totally fucking stupid because he's been all these months handicap matches being heroic you know facing entire factions by himself all for what like you know what i mean so that that wouldn't make sense there wouldn't be an appropriate payoff from the perspective of, of, of mjf so now we're at a point where we're just rolling mjf is just a good guy now that's where we're at his promos as a babyface and look it, it's just harder to cut babyface promos in my opinion it's it's harder to get people to like you than it is to get people to hate you. In my, in my opinion, that's by far the, the case. MJF as a babyface feels generic. He feels like just any other good guy. He feels, you know, just throw Ricky Steamboat out there. It's the same, it's the same guy. Like when M MJF used to be an attraction as a heel, he very rarely wrestled. And now he's wrestling every week at least once. <laughs> so a lot of times on full gear, he's wrestling twice. Yeah, it's just not, look, I mean, the wrestling's there from MJF. I mean, that's fine from a character perspective. And look, a lot of that, probably the Adam Cole stuff, the injury, probably a lot of things had to get stalled. Now we're, we're just kind of in a limbo period. And a lot of that's probably just why everything he's involved with right now feels so uninteresting is because it's kind of, just, we're just kind of biding time for something interesting to happen, which is probably going to be tied to when Adam Cole comes back. In the meantime, we got Roddy Strong. Oh God! All right, let's 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 go through the Rolodex again. Re, re, you know, kind of looping back to my original point of AEW just doing too much. Let's look at what just just MJF. Let's let's a MJF is the the trunk of the tree. Let's see all the branches coming out of that trunk. We got MJF and Adam Cole are still friends. They're still talking. Off of that branch, you got the Roddy Strong bullshit with the kingdom. Matt Taven has a giraffe for whatever reason. I, Roddy. I love Roderick Strong, dude. I fucking love Roderick Strong. He's one of my favorite in-ring wrestlers of all time. He's so fun to watch in the ring. And the one thing that's held him back in his career is a lack of character. So when I first, when he first started to develop this delusional character, I was like, awesome. Giving Roddy something to sink his teeth into, something to make him entertaining to accompany his in-ring wrestling. Awesome, right? Boy, howdy, we have jumped, we have jumped several sharks since then. Adam! 
got it. They got t-shirts. <laughs> they got Adam t-shirts with like a bunch of A's and exclamation points. The Roddy Strong deal with yelling Adam and the neck brace and, you know, all that stuff. It's like when a little kid tells a joke. It's like when a four-year-old tells a joke and then like all the parents laugh and then that kid just keeps saying the joke over and over again because like, oh, it's got to laugh. Let's just say it, keep saying it and it just buries it into the ground to the point where it's no longer funny anymore. That's what Roddy and the kingdom have done with their whole shtick, whatever you call that, right? So I am in all the stupid segments of moving of Adam Cole moving his furniture. Like, what are we doing? None of that is furthering anything. It's lost its entertainment value. Let's settle down with that. That stinks. Um, Smojo, who already got a title shot again, he already lost to MJF. So why is he still... Like, I do like the build of Samoa Joe just kind of being in the background kind of ominously. But ultimately, Samoa Joe already got beat by MJF. So it's like he doesn't feel like a threat. So that kind of takes away that appeal for me. Um, and look, Samoa Joe is on my personal route, Mount Rushmore. I'm not I'm not never going to say no to having him as a focal point on my TV. But again, he's just like, why is he there? Wardlow's here doing something. He's shirtless. You're going to have to do a lot of work to make me care about Wardlow again. I'm just going to say that. Uh, what else? You got Jay White, who he faced at full gear. I assumed that he def- that MJF defended his title. Maybe I'm wrong, but I assume that MJF beat Jay White. And then the whole Bullet Club Gold versus MJF thing, it's, it just feels like babyface against evil faction number seven. Like it just feels like a, a template that they're doing. He's, Jay White steals the belt. They're doing that whole deal. Then nothing seems particularly engaging or um, interesting about that. Honestly. And I love Jay White. I love bullet club gold. I, I like MJF. All of, all of these things I like, but the, it's like, it's like, I like fruit. I like cake, but I hate fruit cake. And that's kind of what this MJF and Jay White deal feels like to me. Um, what else? What else? I'm just this is all stuff that MJF has going on right now. He has the acclaimed stuff is weird. I don't know why Max Caster is all of a sudden a stalker. Um, the acclaimed is another thing that they completely like. Why are they even the trio's champions? Why aren't House of Black? House of Black had a great thing going. That House Rules stuff was really fun and different. But now the acclaimed have the titles and they're kind of just an idol. It feels like. Um. I think that's all MJF. Oh, then the devil. Ho ho. Who could forget about the devil? Huh? Who's behind that mask? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> and this is like, so Tony Khan. Tony Khan, let's 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 pull up another golf analogy, right? Tony Khan has his bag of clubs, right? He has four clubs in his bag. Club number one, huge announcement on Dynamite or whatever show. Club number two, new signee to AEW. Club number three, who is the mystery person? Could be someone under a mask. Could be somebody who's going to be teaming with somebody. Club number four, dream match. You know, Penta El Cero versus... 
Azteca Abdullah Jr. the the third on Rampage. Like these are the four things that AEW gives us, and there's little to no payoff with any of them. So the Devil Mask. Let's get back to that, right? So the Devil Mask. Who is behind the mask? And again, to reiterate, recording this before Full Gear. So maybe I, I doubt it'll be revealed at Full Gear. Maybe there's a clue. My initial thought is Adam Cole. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this whole devil mask fella storyline started after Adam Cole went down with an injury. So this seems like a way to extend the narrative between Adam Cole and MJF. Because beforehand, you know, as MJF and Adam Cole, they were best buds and they were having matches against each other and the titles at play. And it's like, who's going to turn on who? And to me, it was always like the, the, the way too obvious answer was MJF. So in my mind, it was obvious that Adam Cole would eventually turn on MJF. But Adam Cole goes down with an injury. So what do they do? They introduce a masked man, <laughs> mysterious masked man. Uh, as somebody that's, you know, attacking everybody close to MJF. So my thought, uh, this is just a way. So MJ, so uh, honestly, originally I was like, maybe Adam Cole's not as hurt as he's letting on. But I think now again, where I think we're too deep. I mean, it's been what, like a month or two since he's injured his ankle. So I do, I don't think the injury is a work at all, but Maybe it's exaggerated. Maybe he didn't get surgery. Maybe he just needs a f- some time off. Uh, or maybe he didn't need surgery and he does need a, a little bit of time off, which I think is, you know, eventually once Adam Cole is healed is when the devil will reveal himself and is when it'll be Adam Cole. And I think Roddy Strong said he knew who the devil was, which would make sense because, you know, if Adam Cole was healed, probably him and Roddy would be a lot. I don't know. There's a lot of things involved here. It's not CM Punk. It's not fucking. It's not MJF. It's not Tony Khan. If it is any of those things, it'd be fucking ridiculous. But in my opinion, it's Adam Cole. But we'll see. I guess maybe it'll be, maybe maybe it'll be unveiled on full gear, and maybe this will all be for naught. But hey, there. It's Future Kyle. Real quick, just popping in here. So this is after full gear a show in which I watched, and a show that I very much enjoyed, by the way. Just wanted to shout out Swerve and Hangman. Holy tits on ice, that show, that match was fucking awesome, dude. And it kind of just exemplifies everything that past Kyle just said about Swerve and Hangman. I was watching this, and I felt like these guys hated each other, and they went to great lengths to portray that. May have gotten a little long in the tooth, you didn't need the Brian Cage stuff. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you didn't need the barbed wire chair. It was it was a lot, almost too much, but I still enjoyed it. Awesome fucking match. One of the best matches of the year. So just wanted to pop in here and give a shout out to those two guys because they fucking killed it. Otherwise, Full Gear, I mean, while I'm here, while Future Kyle is here, Full Gear is a, a, an awesome show. And I think I can't remember if past Kyle already talked about it or if, or if past Kyle is about to talk about it. But wrestling today is so much better without social media. I watched it not looking at my phone, not looking at Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And I had a 
ball watching it, dude. Even the stuff that wasn't particularly good, I enjoyed. It was, it made me feel things. It was exciting at some points. It was, I mean, every match felt like it had its own kind of aura to it. There was a lot of things that over-delivered. I thought the TBS title match and the uh, the Sting and Edge and all that shit, like I thought all that stuff over-delivered and everything else pretty much met my expectations, I would say. So, while I, I mean, I, I said earlier, past Kyle said earlier that he didn't think anything monumental would happen at Full Gear. And I, that's pretty much accurate. You got Will Ospreay officially signing, I guess, but he's already been a part of AEW, so who gives a shit? And I mean, I talked earlier, you know, about how it doesn't really matter. Or maybe I talk later. I don't remember. I, I mentioned at some point in this podcast that it doesn't matter how many people they sign because they got to actually do something engaging with them. So the jury's still out. I'm happy to see Osprey here. Obviously, a hell of a talent. But let's see how let's see how he's utilized before we all get a a little tighter in the pants area, shall we say? But um, but yeah, Full Gear is a good show. Um, oh, and I was the point I was trying to make earlier is I I watched Full Gear. I enjoyed it. I had fun. That's what wrestling's about, right? You watch a thing on TV to be entertained by it, right? It accomplished that. Then I make the bonehead mistake of popping on Twitter or X and seeing what everybody else thinks about the show. And holy shit, everybody is just slicing and dicing and getting way too analytical, trying too hard to make think pieces about every single little thing. And then we got the AEW. Versus WWE shit, the tribalistic horse shit, and the, oh, AEW's in the mud. Oh, what about the ratings? Oh, Swerve's an asshole now, I guess, because he said something about a Who gives a shit? Have you ever considered maybe just watching wrestling and shutting the fuck up? Just a thought. <laughs> just a thought. Um, that being said, I will, I will, I think there was a lot of valid criticism on the main event, the Jay White versus MJF match. While I will say on one hand, I was entertained by it. I, You know me, I love a fucking overbooked title match with all oh, the ref bumps and the interference. I think that shit's great. I think people get way too in their feelings about that stuff. Oh, give me the pure wrestling. Give me some hammer locks. Go fuck your mother with a hammer lock, dude. Like, it was fun. There were serious gaps in logic, though. How MJF was injured earlier in the night, and then Adam Cole takes a spot. When did Adam Cole become? Why is Adam Cole cleared to wrestle when he's literally in a boot and on crutches? But MJF is not cleared to wrestle because he got hit with a chair in the leg earlier. Why is MJF's quad taped up when the chair was wrapped around his ankle? Why Why did MJF have to steal the ambulance? Why couldn't he just walk out and get an Uber? Why? <laughs> it, was, it was pretty dumb. And then throughout the match, I mean, Jay White had, he struggled way too much against a crippled asshole in MJF. Dude can barely stand. Well, I say that he can barely stand. He's, he's limping out to the ring. Oh, he could barely get in the ring. Oh, and then he's just busting out a, he hurdles the top rope to hit a cutter on Jay White off the apron. Oh, he's doing moonsaults. He's doing kangaroo kicks. He's leaping. He's he's doing kip-ups. Oh, but I could barely stand kind of also. Like the, the selling, 
left a lot to be desired and the fact that Jay White felt like a non-factor. <laughs> it felt like the MJF and Adam Cole show with Jay White also there, I guess. Um uh, Jay White, look, he looked like a goofball in this match, but he'll he'll recover. Let's let's take it easy on the oh Jay White's buried. He's done. No, he'll be he'll be fine. Um but and I think by the way, I think again I'm sorry. I don't know when I'm splicing this in. <laughs> within the episode i can't remember if i talked about the devil before or after but my theory it being adam cole i thought it was solidified in this match with adam cole he's he's there ringside the whole story is that he's encouraging mjf he's encouraging this behavior to lead to his downfall like adam cole was quote unquote trying to hit jay white with the title but it was very ginger and jay white grabbed the title to use it on mjf Adam Cole later in the match has the dynamite diamond ring. He's it's under the guise of him trying to give it to MJF, but he just places it on the apron and says, Hey, come get it, buddy. Why didn't he just throw him the ring? You know what I'm saying? So I was expecting the Adam Cole turn to happen in the match, but I guess we're still building to that, but I'm, I'm way more convinced now more than more than ever that Adam Cole is the devil uh, for the reasons that I laid out already in this podcast and from after the full gear stuff. It seems clear as day to me. And if that's a story that they're telling, I like it. But if it's not, then I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But that's all I had to say about Full Gear. Fun show. Good stuff. Christian coming out to a bunch of kids. La La Line to his theme song was the highlight of the night and probably of my life. That was fucking hilarious. Um, Good stuff. All right. Back to your regularly scheduled program. That's that's pretty much where I'm at with AW at this point. Oh, honestly, like just one more one more negative thing, and then I'll end on a positive thing about with with AW. Ring of Honor. All right, so Ring of Honor, as of today, is a developmental system for AEW, and that's not a bad thing. I think that's what it always should have been. It should be. Kind of like, you know, okay, AEW has the things that they have going on, storyline-wise. Everyone that has value that is not involved in something can be in Ring of Honor doing something, cultivating their characters, cultivating their in-ring style, creating stories in Ring of Honor that are worthwhile watching to get you to buy the pay-per-views and the subscribe to Honor Club and all that shit, right? It's a good system in theory. <laughs> However, in execution been piss poor ring of honor here this is this is this is, this is the issue with ring because people like to say like oh ring of honor is a separate thing it has no bearing on AEW. <laughs> if you say that you haven't been paying one ounce of attention to aew because ring of honor is like the the chlamydia that is all entwined in aew's penis like it is chlamydia it's herpes it's gonorrhea it's ring of honor is the ultimate std to aew it just is like it's 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 kind of there it's like you you know it's there you kind of forget about it sometimes but it's always it's always in the background there's always a little scratch there's always a burning sensation when you pee i don't i don't have stds let me make that clear i'm i'm, I'm going off of google i'm going off of what i've heard by my friends um, friends who have Ring of Honor is the herpes of AEW, and here's why. I should never see Ring of Honor titles being defended on AEW. 
Never. Maybe an occasional attraction match, but this thing where we're like, every week there's something. There, it was a few weeks ago. Like, randomly, the Bucks and Hangman Adam Page won the six-man titles in Ring of Honor. I'm watching Dynamite. It's it's the match where they lost the titles. It was it was them versus the the Mogul Embassy. I literally shut the show off, just out of pure apathy for anything. Like, it just made me roll my eyes. Like I, it was so aggressively. Like I I was so aggressively indifferent on this match. It's like six talented guys, but it's like, God, like we have the the AEW trios titles and Ring of Honor six man titles. On the same show. So it's like, who's the who's the top champion, really, of the two? If they're on the same show, theoretically, they're the same. So is any champion really a champion if there's two champions? And you can say the same about the TV, the ROH TV title and the AW TNT title. And you got the international title floating around. It's just too much. The, the, the Ring of Honor title is being on AEW TV is a, an issue for me. I mean, Ring of Honor and AEW being so blended overall was a huge issue for me. People, people act like that's not an issue when it is because, you know, say what you want about Ring of Honor. A lot of people don't care about Ring of Honor. Personally, I haven't been watching Honor Clubs. I, I could really give two shits at this point about Ring of Honor, personally. It's not about Ring of Honor. I don't care, you know, Samoa Joe relinquished the TV title. It fucking killed that belt. It is what it is, but honestly, I don't, I don't actually care that much. But when all of this stuff is intertwined with... The AEW programming, again, I'm going to use the word dilute again because it's kind of the running theme here. It's like when, um, back in 2001, when the Invasion storyline was going on, which I've covered on the podcast, in great detail, you know, every Raw, it'd be like towards the tail end of the storyline, every Raw, every SmackDown would be nothing but title matches. It'd be like, the WCW tag team match was the opening match. And then the next match was the intercontinental title. And then the next match was the WWF tag team title. And the next match was a hardcore match and a European title match and a United States title match. It's like, none of these titles mean anything because everybody has a title. And that's how, that's how AEW feels when ring of honor is such a focal point of the product. Separate ring of honor and AEW. hard brand split, hard brand split between the two. Eddie Kingston, Cesar or Claudio, Wheeler Yuta, have those guys on Ring of Honor do some good stuff on Ring of Honor. And then when they're ready, or not when they're ready, but when there's a spot for them on AAW, bring them, bring them over. Like, but don't do it every week. Don't flip-flop guys every week. Maybe at least a few months. Let them establish a brand on the show that they're on. And then when it's time to switch them, switch them. But as of right now, there's no reason to watch Ring of Honor because all the worthwhile Ring of Honor stuff is happening on AEW TV. <laughs> and then the, there's so much AEW stuff that isn't happening, that isn't in the limelight because there's so much Ring of Honor stuff happening on, on AEW. And everything just gets so jumbled and mishmashed and to, where, to the point where nothing matters. So Ring of Honor, I think Ring of, separating AEW and Ring of Honor would solve so many issues. Like, like, why, why is MJF the fucking Ring of Honor tag team champion? Why, why did him and Adam Cole win it in the first place? That was so unnecessary. <laughs> so unnecessary. It, it hasn't elevated anything. Like, it hasn't furthered any, like, it, I, I get what they're doing, but it just, it's, it's, again, unnecessary is the word. Like, 
nothing was gained and things were lost in the t- in terms of what Ring of Honor is providing. So I don't know, man. Um, but I'll say w- so again. AW. I know I said earlier not to be so doom and gloom, and that's because they can turn this around. And I think one thing that might be helping them turn this around, them being AEW, the Continental Classic Tournament that's about to uh, get underway here, a 12-man round-robin tournament. So it's essentially the G1 Climax on AEW. This is the type of thing that AEW can use to differentiate themselves from WWE. Every match in this tournament will have stakes because it's a part of a round-robin tournament. It gives the opportunity to showcase guys. You could throw in some guys that haven't maybe haven't gotten that much TV time. You can build new guys. You can solidify guys that are already on a top level. Your Brian Danielsons, your if Will Ospreay is a part of it, which I'm sure he will be. Just create a because I said like you can find really good wrestling matches anywhere, but when you combine that with stakes of this tournament, that's where AEW will thrive is because they have the talent to put on the best wrestling in the world, but they need something worthwhile to fight for. And a lot of times there isn't that, but this continental classic tournament, whatever the stakes are, it's a big deal. Hopefully it's executed. Well, hopefully they don't get too cute with it, with like tiebreakers and interference during matches and all that hokey horse shit, right? Hopefully they just keep it sports centric tournament style stuff like hopefully that's how it is hopefully it's very you know hopefully it keeps kind of the aura that the g1 has from new japan so i'm cautiously optimistic about this continental classic tournament that is something that i will absolutely be tuning into for from aaw that is something that has my interest for sure and stuff like that if signing rick flair does nothing for me (laughs) Fuck Ric Flair. Fuck the big show. Fuck Edge. Give me AEW. Do your AEW thing. Do your wrestling. That's the thing you do well. Do that. Stop trying to be WWE light. That's all I'll say. So I've rambled enough about AEW. Let's talk a little bit about WWE. Where to begin? So WWE right now. I'll, I'll tell you this, right? And I talked about NXT. I'm really right here. I'm talking about main roster stuff. WWE in general, man. I mean. It's not like any like dramatic change has happened in terms of production. Maybe it has. I don't know. Everything just feels so sterile. It feels so hollow. It feels like I was talking earlier about how like a lot of WWE just feels like a conveyor belt of bullshit. Like here you take this guy, put him in this template, razzle dazzle. Okay, here's this that just the same storyline we did a year ago, but with two different people. And unfortunately, it's just becoming more and more draining on me. Now I can identify the fact that a lot of this, this is a fact that a lot of people don't want to come to grips with. Wrestling just becomes more like that. You, when you when you become older, when you when you grow up, because as a kid, everything is better, whether it's TV, wrestling, music, video games. That's just how it is. Right. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And that's if you're listening to my podcast, you probably understand that because I have a lot of nostalgia based content. But um, 
So I identify that like it's not like WWE has changed anything to make it more sterile than it already already was because it, it's been like this for a very long time for like at least 20 years. So but it's just it's just becoming more and more like fast lane dude like let me pull up the fast lane car. This is a few months ago at this point as of recording this. But that was like the biggest representation of what I'm talking about. Let me pull up the car just so I make sure I remember because it's like the fact that I don't even really remember the card is kind of indicative of how like lifeless it is because it just doesn't matter. They just fart out these PLEs and just to get to the next one. You know what I mean? But it's like it opened up with Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso defending their tag team titles against the Judgment Day. I, think, I believe this is the one where, yes, yeah, where Cody and Jay won, which was the moment at the end was fun. But everything, it was just that your stereotypical tag team match. And it was almost a complete carbon copy of the later tag team match John Cena and LA Knight versus Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. Go watch those matches, put them side by side. They're the same fucking match. One babyface gets beat down for, I don't know, 15 minutes, makes the hot tag. They do their five moves couple finisher reversals then it's the finish the same thing and i know that's a a, a template that a lot of people pr uh, promotions all over the world do this but they all have their own spin on it wwe is starting to have less and less spin in my opinion um and he, there was like a, a lwo versus street profits match that was pretty much the same thing too i think it was just a, a six-man tag EO Sky versus Asuka and Charlotte. I barely remember this match even happening. And then Seth Rollins versus Nakamura, last man standing, was just a slow plotting. Here's a trash can. Here it Seth Rollins falls five feet onto a mattress. Oh, how devastating. Like a lot of it's just the W. I turn on Raw and it's just the same shit. It's fucking. And like, I don't want to sit here and act like everything is bad because I've, I've, I've spoken on this episode even about stuff that I do enjoy about WWE, but it's just like, look, like here's a visual is this one's good. This is going to be very visual, but if you're on YouTube, you'll appreciate it. Here's a backstage promo between person A and person B who are going to fight later tonight. Oh, here's the camera. Well, let me, let me stand parallel to the camera so you could see my whole body. Because this is how people talk to each other when they're when they're when they're in a when they're in a heated confrontation, right? Yeah, that's right. This confrontation's about to be heated. You can tell because we are standing shoulder to shoulder, not looking at each other in the eyes. Hey, you. What? What's your problem, bud? I don't have any problem. What's your problem? I think your professional wrestling is pretty subpar. To my professional wrestling. Oh, yeah? Well, how about you meet me in the ring later tonight? And I'm going to... Says catchphrase on the t-shirt. Later tonight. Well, hey, 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 don't you roll away. I'm going to do my catchphrase on my t-shirt to you, buddy. It's just every... I said, I've, I've been saying it. It's a conveyor belt of, of shit. It, nothing feels organic. And they're like the good stuff is very few and far between, in my opinion.
it's almost like they rev up for WrestleMania and then everything else is kind of, I don't know. But they're running off their name. I, I can appreciate that. There have been a lot of good pay-per-views, at least in the first half of the year. Um, it is what it is. It is what it is, though, man. I don't know. The things in WWE that have my interest, it's three people. It's Gunther, it's Cody Rhodes, and it's Logan Paul. Those are the three guys that have my attention. Those are the guys, when they're on my TV, I stop what I'm doing. I get off my phone. I, I don't look at my other monitor. I watch what they do, whether it's a promo, whether it's in-ring. Those are the guys that are captivating my attention. Gunther's intercontinental title reign has been incredible. It has boosted that title higher than it's ever been literally in its, in its, in its existence, the best intercontinental champion of all time by far. I don't even know who would be second. I guess the Miz, but there's such a huge gap between one and two, dude, his, his in-ring style is so different. So it kind of finds a way to kind of, Step away from the WWE in-house style, that kind of template mold that WWE does. This is your shine, heat, comeback deal. Gunther has a different style that is always... It, and I, I don't know why everybody can't just have their own style, because when you have a, a different style, it makes you interesting. It seems like, like, duh. Like, why would you even have to say that? But it does. And you can kind of say the same thing about Logan Paul. Logan Paul, a little rough around the edges. And I've always said being a little rough around the edges is fantastic because it kind of it gives that sense of realism a little bit. It gives that sense of not everything's perfect. It gives a sense of a struggle between you and your opponent, whether it's in the ring or in a promo. Like Logan Paul just brings that sense of realism behind him because he's actually a hateable dude. <laughs> He's actually a dickhead and he plays the role perfectly. He soaks in the crowd, which is something a lot of wrestlers do nowadays where it's just next move, next move. All right, let's chain these moves together. Fighting spirit. Oh, no sell. Kick out at one. All of the, you know, here's another pump knee strike. Here's another Canadian destroyer. Like I oftentimes feel like every wrestler nowadays does the same thing and they forget about the in-between shit which is what Logan Paul does better than any fucking professional wrestler going right now. Logan Paul is one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. If he'd committed full time to this shit, he'd be the best. He'd be the best because he knows his role. He plays it well. He plays it organically. He has the athleticism, the natural athleticism. And he's still at this point, he's only had a few matches still. He's still tying things together from a technical perspective in the ring but he's still nailing most of that. Logan Paul rules, dude. As a professional wrestler, he's, he's awesome. Cody Rhodes. He's, he's, it's going to be Cody dethroning Roman at WrestleMania. I think it's a foregone conclusion. I touched on you know him losing at WrestleMania 39, how that was fine. It's no issue. And Cody Rhodes has mo maintained this momentum. What are we? Uh, eight? Seven, eight months after that, he's still arguably the hottest thing in WWE. He's still selling merch out the wazoo. By the way, people are like, and I've probably said this before, people will see like merch stats and like Cody will be at the top, right? You know, I don't know if he's actually at the top. I know he's like towards the top, 
But people will see that like on Twitter or whatever, and they'll be like, see, Cody Rhodes is outselling everybody in merch. That's why he should have beat Roman at WrestleMania. Hey, dummy. That proves that he didn't need to beat Roman at WrestleMania because he's still a fucking top guy. He do, you don't need the world title to be a fucking top guy. You don't need the world title to be a top guy. Cody's that dude. He's still embedded in the story chasing Roman and he's hotter than ever. And he's going to continue to heat up until the climax of WrestleMania 40 when he beats him when the bloodline disintegrates, which is another sub story that's involved here. Cody Rhodes, probably not going to win the Royal Rumble, probably going to come in at number one, almost win, lose to either Gunther or LA Knight. Cody Rhodes is going to go to Australia, that huge elimination chamber show, going to win the elimination chamber, earn his way to face Roman again and beat him. You know why that's better? Because last year, 2022, Cody Rhodes didn't have adversity. He walked into WrestleMania undefeated. He beat Seth Rollins, the top guy in the company at the time, one of the top guys, beat Seth Rollins three times in a row decisively, once with a torn fucking peck, got injured, came back, immediately waltzed in at number 30, won the Royal Rumble, eliminated a guy that had been in there for a fucking hour, then lollygags, he's beating your Chad Gables, he's beating the Miz, he's beating all these guys, being undefeated, unstoppable, can't beat Roman because of the bloodline. What changes at WrestleMania 40? The bloodline dynamic has completely changed, and that is when Cody Rhodes wins. So we're, that is steady state. We're good with that. Cody Rhodes, Roman, as long as they both stay healthy, that's going to be sensational stuff especially once wrestlemania season kicks in it's gonna be good gonna be good i can't wait for it i don't even know how i got on that tangent oh yeah he's he's one of the three guys that i'm that i care about cody rhodes logan paul gunther notice i didn't say roman reigns because he's not there so how, how could i care about him? <laughs> you know what i mean I, I think we're just that is the one thing though i will say is that roman reigns from wrestlemania 39 to wrestle to, to i guess current day has been pretty much a non-factor um i mean the story of him versus the usos like that was some good stuff there but now we're at a point where it's kind of an idol at this point which is fine honestly it's allowed other people to elevate on smackdown so it's like whatever i don't really care much at this point but um the bloodline as of as of right now i'm not super interested but i know that's going to change uh when wrestlemania season comes so that i'm i'm fine with that there's plenty of other stuff that they can do Seth Rollins is another name I didn't say. Uh, I think Seth Rollins is one of the most overrated wrestlers currently today. I think, um, and I don't know if it has to do with his back injury or with, you know, his previous knee injuries and things like that. His in-ring style does not appeal to me at all. I think he's very soft. I think he's very predictable. I think he's... People got on John Cena for his five moves of doom, but Seth Rollins isn't that much different. The goofy pro he's kind of walked back the goofy promos a little bit, and now he's starting to become a more generic version of himself, which is what people turned on him, you know, a few years ago for being. So Seth Rollins, I think he's due for a heel turn personally. 
Um, I appreciate the work that he's put in. Let's not, you know, I'm not going to diminish how much work he's put in, all the matches. He's had some fine matches. I think we're due for maybe a change there. As far as the world, as far as the world title goes, I mean, I, I think it's LA Knight or Gunther taking it from Seth at WrestleMania. Personally, I don't think Damien, I think Damien cashes in and is unsuccessful. And I think that's just furthering the judgment day storyline, which a judgment day is a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, the world title. Yeah. So Seth, Seth's in war games, which is all right. This will bring, this will bring the, t- the two topics that I wanted to discuss in terms of WWE, which is both war games, the concept and judgment day. Judgment Day, I'll just quickly say, you know, it's it's another faction. I think, you know, I was talking earlier about Tony Khan only had a few clubs in his bag. WWE is kind of the same in that, like, faction warfare slash faction dissension within the faction. Like, those are the two things that they seem to kind of just, they have, they have it with the Judgment Day. They've had it with the Bloodline. They have it with the LWO. That, like... They they they're even in NXT they're doing it with Trick and Mellow like that seems like the one trick they've been pulling out a lot recently and some of it's been good but like the Judgment Day I just I don't know man I'm pretty I'm pretty whelmed by the Judgment Day personally um but they're taking on Cody Rhodes Seth Rollins Jey Uso Sami Zayn and a mystery opponent or mystery partner in war games at survivor series let's talk about war games the concept i can't stand war games dude war games without blood is worthless that's what war games is war games the goal here is to is to illustrate combat amongst two teams to an extent in which they destroy each other go to war when people die and get killed and murdered that's what war games is or is what it's supposed to be you know what war games is not is a clean perfect silver cage with neatly presented tables that go poof little crack in the middle with some kendo sticks with a chi- with everybody who enters brings a weapon with with no blood no brutality just mindless spots until until the match can end cuz by the way like 40 the first 40 minutes of a war games match in WWE don't mean shit it's just waiting until everybody's in there until the match can actually end. And then it's just a clusterfuck. You have towers of doom. You got at this point, there shouldn't be a war games match every year is something that I will say, because it, 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 you can say that the match is a novelty, right? It's two rings. There's no other match like it. But when there's at least one every year, you lose that novelty because it's every year. We don't need it every year. And when we do have it, there should be color. There should be brutality. There should be bloodshed, but there never is. It's just a clean little same thing with every cage match nowadays and every hell in a cell. It's just, oh, it's just a neatly put together. Let me color code our weapons. If Judgment Day walks out, if they have fucking purple kendo sticks, purple chairs, I'm shutting that shit off. 
They're going to do WrestleMania again. Everybody's going to, oh, whatever. So I don't care for war games personally, personally. There's, no, there's also no stakes, by the way. It's like, who cares who wins? But I guess the whole appeal is going to be who's the mystery partner of the babyface team. And again, recording this on Friday the 17th, there is a raw in between when I'm recording and when this episode drops. So there is the chance that somebody could be revealed on raw on the 20th, right? On the 20th, I guess. Um, it seems like the main, uh, the main theory is that Randy Orton is going to be the fifth guy, which is probably, which is probably what I would go with. I know he's been uh, seen at the performance center. He's, uh, obviously reaching near the point where he can come back. If he's at the PC, you know, doing whatever it is, taking bumps or whatever. You know, Cody Rhodes says he has an f- old friend. Him and Randy Orton have the history. So it all it all makes sense. So probably Randy Orton. Unless, you know, I know Shinsuke is doing a thing where he's like waiting for somebody to challenge him. So that, that could also be Randy Orton. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Survivor Series is in Chicago. <laughs> so, of course. The CM Punk theories are also prevalent. I'm. I'm willing to bet there's not going to be any CM Punk just with how um, on the nose uh, Punk's because Punk has been posting a lot of stuff on like Instagram and shit about pretty much referencing WWE, referencing Survivor Series, referencing war games like he's trying to he's 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 have he's popping himself ultimately is what he's doing, in my opinion. It was funny. Like it stirs up the IWC. Any anytime Punk breathes, everybody's like, "Oh, is he took two breaths." Two Survivor Series is on the twentieth, so that means CM Punk's return. Like all that shit, you know. What I mean, and any like Corey Graves said a line. I don't even remember what it was. It was something about like riding the lightning bolt or something, which I guess CM Punk said once, but that's not his fucking. He didn't create it. You know I mean, pretty sure like Dusty Rhodes said it first or whatever, at least in the context of wrestling. So it's like people are just grasping for straws in terms of CM Punk teases and stuff like that. Even the GTS. I mean, it was kind of random, but if anything, it's probably more of a Kenta shout out than anything, which is you created the move, not CM Punk. So I don't know, man. I don't think we get CM Punk in WWE. And CM Punk, man, it's just like, look. This is what I'm talking about when people are like more interested about who's not there than who is here. Of people who who are not here rather than who is here. CM Punk is exponentially more interesting when he's not signed with a promotion than what he is. His whole thing, like for the past 10 years, has been, is CM Punk coming back to wrestling? That, that's been his entire narrative for the majority of the past decade. And then when he come, he went to AW and then he was just a guy in AW. And if he does it, if he comes back to WWE, it's going to be awesome for a few months. And then it's, then it's not going to be like, I'm not going to say it's not going to be good stuff, but it's like, I think people are overblowing his, um, his effect on, uh, on business and on just the product in general. I love CM Punk. I do. I do really enjoy CM Punk. I talk about all this ROH stuff on my podcast all the time. I've, 
watched his entire rise in WWE and all his AEW stuff. I understand his contributions to wrestling. He's a great promo. He's a believable promo. I was talking about Swerve and Hangman earlier about how they can exhibit like those realistic tendencies of like hatred towards their opponent. And CM Punk is a good representation of someone who can do that as well. He has that. He has a name. He has name value. He has an appeal. He has a notoriety behind him. I understand the value of CM Punk, but I'm just, I am drained on CM Punk discourse personally. He might show up for Survivor Series. He might not. If I'm a betting man, I say no. If I'm a betting man, I say he's done with wrestling altogether. But anything could happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility of him coming back to WWE or, or AEW. But honestly, I just want him to be somewhere just so we can shut the fuck up about, well, we didn't see him punk coming back. That's, that's people love to engagement farm though. So it's something that they can just not put a lot of thought in and tweet and get some retweets. So I don't know. Maybe that's his value to society. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's where I stand with him. But I mean, I could see him coming back to WWE. I don't think it's going to be at Survivor Series, though. But it is in Chicago, so if there's any time, why not? Then I don't know. It, honestly, I think a pretty... If CM Punk does show up, I think it'll be probably versus Shinsuke. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. So there's some, again, but it's, it's, it's more who's the mystery man thing, which it seems like all wrestling has nowadays. It's I, I tweeted something. Let me pull it up. I just want to reiterate. I, I want to see what I said just so I can reiterate the point here. Okay, I, I th- 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 this is this is what I tweeted. Imagine if there was a wrestling product that people cared about as much as people care about potential signings to a wrestling product. In other words, imagine if people cared about what's happening in the now as much as they care about what could potentially happen in the future. seems like nowadays people only care about who's, who's jumping from this company to this company. Who's getting what free agents getting signed. Who's returning. Nobody cares about who the champion is. Nobody cares about the current storylines. Nobody cares about who, who's fighting who for what reason it's all like, Oh, but what else could happen? So nobody can, nobody really sits down and enjoys like what is happening. And maybe that's, the fault of the wrestling companies for not creating interesting storylines. Maybe that's the fault of fans for trying to be in the know too much about, you know, the backstage scuttlebutt and all that shit, which is a fact, by the way, I think watched watching wrestling without Twitter or X watching wrestling without social media is the way to go, man. It's just, it's just a, a fucking dumpster fire, social media wrestling, the IWC, Cause everybody's trying so hard to it's like everybody that I see, they prioritize being smart over enjoying the product. Like, I think there are people that would rather be right about a thing than enjoy the wrestling product. And I don't know if it's ego. I don't know if it's the desperation for likes and retweets and follows. It's just not. I see some of the things people do for fucking likes and it just makes me vomit, dude. People that I consider friends are like, oh my God, it's just, it's sad to see, <laughs> but WWE, what else is, uh, got Survivor Series coming up. That'll be a thing. That'll be, I think the whole show is kind of 
the whole the whole appeal of it is Randy Orton and CM Punk's potential returns, not the actual content of the show. So it kind of just solidifies where I'm at with wrestling in terms of everything's kind of I guess you know winter time fall like this kind of time of the year is always like we kind of like get into a lull and then Royal Rumble comes back up and then it kind of spikes a little bit. So that's kind of what it feels like right now. But I don't know. It's a good time to be a retro wrestling fan. <laughs> I'll say that it's a good time to be a fan of the apron bump because we talk a lot about that here. But and look like I know there's been, there's been a lot of negative talk in this episode. Um, there's some positive stuff, too. But like I said, it's just like a lull period in wrestling. But there is some good stuff happening. TNA's coming back. I mean, come on now. Come on, pal. Am I about to become a, a TNA sexual again? This is this is and look, it's it's just the name, it's just the branding that's changing, but I don't know, man. I see I see impact, I see TNA doing stuff. They have a, a roster of full of people that I enjoy watching. I see clips every now and again. I'm like, man, this stuff looks pretty good. Maybe now, maybe now is the time to jump back on that TNA bandwagon. But um, that's, we got some good stuff going on in wrestling, is what I'm saying. And I said this earlier, I think the biggest problem in wrestling is the fans. <laughs> Not even the fans, it's just like this internet wrestling community, this, the constant overanalyze i know i'm saying this as a wrestling podcaster but I, I my podcast is always aimed to be in good fun it's always aimed to just shoot the shit about wrestling i'm not here to well let me give you my predictions and when they're right i'm gonna tell you that i was right because i'm so much smarter than you oh hey the backstage scuttlebutt let me let me talk to you about the contracts who who's non-competes up yeah i don't think that the merch sales are going to elevate and the, the, what, what, what was the gate? What was the gate at the show last weekend? What was the, let's, let's look at the trends, throw up a scatter graph there. Let's, let's take a look. It's fucking guys wrestling oiled up in their underwear, wearing boots. Are you kidding me with this shit? It's silly. Pro wrestling is fun. We're having fun. All I'm saying is let's let's maybe we could all take a step back and not take this shit so seriously because it is a very entertaining medium if you let it be that. So uh that's my message. That's my that's 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 my mission statement. That's my missionary statement as well. I think that about wraps her up, huh? Appreciate you guys tuning in for episode number 200 of the Apron Bump. For those of you who have been here all along the way, I give you extra smooches on the cheek. For people who have hopped on later, I appreciate you joining. Appreciate you hopping on the bandwagon. We got a lot of good stuff cooking. A lot of timelines and wrestling that we cover, that we relive, that I walk through. A lot of this stuff I'm watching with first-time viewers' eyes. So it's always a good time. Always a good time. I appreciate all the podcasters, all the, all the other guests that I've had on the show and that I will continue to have on the show. I started having guests on here just purely for networking purposes, but it's become more than I ever thought it would be. I've made so many friends, so many buddies doing this and it just adds another element. And 
I wouldn't do it any other way. And I appreciate you guys always, you know, supporting the podcast, whether it's listening or watching or social media, liking, thumbing my ass, all that stuff. It uh, gives me the motivation to continue doing this. So I appreciate you all deeply and sincerely. And uh, episode 300, maybe I'll uh, have an OnlyFans by then. But we shall wait and see. Is that a thing actually I could do? Because you don't need to show your gaping asshole on, on OnlyFans, right? You can just have an OnlyFans and do like... Basically treat it like a Patreon, right? <laughs> That's actually... I'm thinking about it as I'm saying it. I might start at OnlyFans. <laughs> I might be an encroaching on uh, Smackin' at Raw's gimmick, though. So I'll have to get my people to talk to their people. But with that, that's about all Daddy has for you guys today. Appreciate you guys tuning in. This episode and the uh, 200 before this, appreciate you all. Here's to 200 more, right, gang? Unless I, you know, don't feel like it. But love you. Miss you. I'm hard. Yeah. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what hard is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I guess let's get it started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what hard is. Standing strong and proud of me.